Hello and welcome to the Health Advocate podcast. My name is Anna Flynn and I'm the Executive Director of the Australian Centre for Value-Based Healthcare here at the Australian Healthcare and Hospitals Association. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Robin Clay-Williams from the Australian Institute of Health and Innovation at Macquarie University and adjunct Associate Professor Natalie Taylor from the Cancer Council New South Wales and the University of Sydney. Robin and Natalie are here to discuss their recent study, Deepening Our Understanding of Quality in Australia, which looks at the way hospitals are organised for quality and patient factors. This is a nationwide study funded by a National Health and Medical Research Council program grant. The chief investigator is Professor Geoffrey Braithwaite, with the study being co-led by Robin and Natalie. Robin and Natalie, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I'll start off with a few questions and hopefully we can take it from there. So first of all, we're going to focus around the elements of this study that looked at emergency departments and patient measures of safety. But would you like to give us an overview of the study and the main objectives of the study? Okay, so we spend a lot of money on quality management and quality activities in hospitals, but we don't really know if they make a difference to patients. So we wanted to see whether they did. So this is a large study across 32 of the largest public hospitals in Australia. We looked at quality management systems at the hospital level and at the care pathway level for three conditions. So AMI or heart attack, stroke and hip fracture. And we looked to see whether the quality management systems associated with those made a difference to patient outcomes. Can you explain to me what a quality management system actually is? So a quality management system is the way that our quality and safety is managed in hospitals. So it involves things like, you know, the policies that are implemented around quality. It involves things like the hospital governance board and the types of safety activities that they monitor. It involves things like looking at patient feedback, investigating adverse events, and lots of implementing guidelines and protocols throughout the hospital. And is there a standardised system across hospitals or do they have their their own different systems? Yeah, so every hospital in Australia is accredited in accordance with the National Safety and Quality Standards and those standards measure these types of quality processes across hospitals. But I guess the way in which hospitals decide to enact a policy or a quality resource or any kind of preventative protocol is down to them. So accreditation will measure whether or not they're doing it to a particular standard, the way in which everybody, every hospital kind of decides to implement that, there would be some variation. Right. And is, and is that what some of this study found? Is, is that some of the key findings? Yeah, so accreditation looks at whether you've got processes in place. Our study looked more at whether those processes were actually being implemented or not. And what did they find? Overall, we found that there wasn't a lot of relationship between the quality processes and the way they were implemented, and certainly not a lot of relationship between those quality processes and the patient outcomes. But the other thing that we found is that generally the hospitals that we had in our sample, they were performing to quite a a good level in terms of the quality processes that they had implemented in their hospitals. And part of the reason why you might not find association when you have so many hospitals performing to a good level is that you don't have enough variation to kind of show that connection between what's happening at the quality level and then what's happening at the patient outcome level. If there was more variation across hospitals, then you might have a better chance of finding a relationship. 
Sure. So there wasn't much variation. Is that what you reported? In some areas, yeah. Certainly at the hospital level, in quality management systems, there wasn't a lot of variation. Okay, that's interesting. And one one of the reasons for that, I guess, in comparison to some work that's been done in Europe to look at a similar kind of research question, is that Australia does have this accreditation system. So that kind of does help to bump up the standards of the way in which hospitals are organising themselves for quality. Whereas in some other countries, they might not have this mandatory accreditation system. And that can, I suppose, lead to a bit more variation because hospitals aren't necessarily having to strive to those accreditation standards. Sure. Yeah. And Robin, I believe that you've been looking specifically at the area of emergency departments within this study. Is is that right? Yeah, I have. It's because of the number of people that present to emergency departments and the burden on emergency departments at the moment. Last year, more than 8 million people presented to emergency departments across Australia. And the number's increasing each year as we get an ageing population. So this unrelenting demand is really putting the EDs under enormous pressure. And we know that if EDs are overcrowded, it can result in less safe care for patients and sometimes inpatient death. So it's quite important to try and improve the patients getting through the ED. The government set a number of time targets, so targets to reduce waiting times and also targets to reduce length of stay. What we found in this study, though, is that there's a relationship between these times and patient care. And it's a bit of an inverse in that faster time through the ED can actually result in poor standard of care. Ah, interesting. So I note that somewhere one of the recommendations or findings was that that policies and procedures were perhaps creating a barrier, I presumed, to discharging patients earlier, but perhaps you're implying it's getting them through the system quicker that could be the issue there. Well, yeah, we don't know what it is because our study was just a quantitative study. So we just looked at whether procedures were followed or not and the times it took to get patients through. But we have found that there's sort of a bit of an inverse relationship and that maybe we should be judging EDs on more than just the time it takes to get patients through. Interesting. Okay, touching on the patient outcomes, I think that, Natalie, that's your area, patient safety. How are you actually measuring the patient outcomes there? Are the patients themselves reporting on their experience? So in the DUCA study, we had a few different ways that we measured patient outcomes. So one was to look at whether or not adherence to clinical process indicators were being met by you know the way in which patients were actually treated in the hospitals for each of the conditions that we were looking at. Another was to look at the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare data to look at things like length of stay and mortality as a broad outcome for each hospital. And then the third outcome that we were looking at was what we've kind of got as a self-report measure of patient safety, which was administered to patients themselves. And so one of the things that we did with the patient measure of safety was to have a look at, first of all, seeing how reliable that measure was across all of the hospitals that we worked with, and also to see whether or not there was a difference between people who completed that measure independently and people who were assisted by either a staff member or a family member, so that we could see how reliable that measure was across those two different subgroups. What did you find there? So what we found was that it was necessary for 
some patients to be assisted, particularly because these three conditions that we were looking at involved a number of vulnerable patients and because the, of the severity of the conditions and because of often the age range of the people who would get these conditions would be slightly older than the general population. But we also found that people who completed the measure independently and people who completed the measure with some assistance, there was no difference in the reliability of their responses, which was a good thing for us. Okay, excellent. And just to go on, just to say that the patient measure of safety was the tool that we used to assess patient perceptions of basically the practices that were going on around them. So this tool was developed initially in the UK based on a theoretical framework of factors that contribute to patient safety. And so there's a number of different domains that it measures. And rather than having staff kind of self-complete measures of safety which often happens in the hospital what we wanted to do was tap into this kind of more fly on the wall perception of of the safety that's going on around the patients who are sat there often for quite long periods of time observing what's going on around them so they might be getting a lot of additional information that perhaps the very busy staff in the hospital wouldn't notice or pick up on for themselves and based on collecting that information you might get different kinds of drivers for the types of areas that you would want to improve in context of safety based on this patient view as opposed to things that might be measured by um, staff or um, management within the hospitals for example. And within the quality management system, is there the capacity to undertake that sort of almost patient survey? Is that something that the technology allows for? So we had the option for patients to complete the measure as part of a paper-based survey or as part of an online survey if those resources were available in the hospital. But I think in the end, none of the hospitals were able to use sort of an online questionnaire-based resource. But in terms of the capacity for hospital staff to administer this questionnaire to patients as opposed to researchers going into the hospital, I think there's still quite a lot of work to be done to understand how we can better facilitate that. As we know, hospital staff are very busy caring for patients. And if they're required to assist patients to complete this measure at the same time, then it's an additional kind of time factor that's obviously going to be a burden on them. But at the same time, the trade-off of getting this information from patients may be something that hospitals would value and want to put some additional resource in order to really understand the perceptions of safety from the patient point of view. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting discussion area with work I've been doing within the value-based healthcare area in terms of not overdoing it to a certain extent or over-surveying patients has been something that's been raised a few times but at the same time yeah getting that balance of the vital patient input into the discussion. So are there any other key findings that you wanted to talk about from the work you've done either specifically on these areas or more broadly? So we talked about that you know safety measures making a difference in time so For example, so safety strategies such as providing hand sanitizer or making sure the crash cart stopped can increase wait times considerably. So if you can imagine if you were judging safety strategies on a scale of one to four, a difference of one point in improving safety can mean five minutes extra waiting time and 18 minutes longer stay per patient. Right. So it's quite a significant amount of time that we're talking about. And when we're trying to encourage hospitals to get patients through faster and faster, 
we may be compromising safety by a considerable amount. Right. That's an interesting dilemma. Yeah. So I, I guess overall, I just feel like we need to measure and value safety strategies as well as time. Time's important. We know from evidence that it's important for patients to be seen quickly and it's important for them not to spend a long time in the emergency department. But we need to value these safety strategies. Yeah. And I guess at, at what cost as well? And I guess when hospitals are being judged on time, it would be worth there being some information about the extent to which, say, for example, patient safety strategies are being adhered to in in the context of this time so that that judgment can be made with a bit more information as opposed to just simply saying emergency departments are too slow. Yeah, because you might choose to trade off one against the other, but at least you would know to what degree. And really, it's been good to be able to do this very large study because it's only a study of this size where you'll see things like this. So with a smaller study, you wouldn't have seen this relationship between time and safety, whereas a large study like ours would have been able to show that. The other thing too is that it's not enough to just do the study. We want to also be able to feed back to the hospitals and help them with what we've learned and translate it into improved care. So what we've done is we've sent benchmarking reports to each of the 32 participating hospitals so they can see how they performed benchmarked against the other hospitals that participated. And in addition, all of the tools and strategies that we've developed are going to be available for hospitals to use. So we'll have them online on our website. And if hospitals want to, for example, measure how they perform themselves in the emergency department to help them decide on that trade-off, they'd be able to download our tool and do that. Excellent. That was going to be my next question, actually, what feedback you'd had from the hospitals so they can benchmark. Have, have you actually heard back from any of them? Have, have they had the opportunity to do this yet? We've had a couple. They only got the benchmarking reports earlier this year, so they haven't had them for long. But we have had feedback from a couple of hospitals that they've used them to assist in their accreditation processes. Excellent. It'll be interesting to look at how it changes sort of in a year or two. So are there any plans to revisit this down the track as part of the study? Uh, I doubt that it's it's an incredibly expensive study to run and there's all sorts of other complicating factors. So because it's a research project, we had to get ethics approval for this and just to get ethics across the different hospitals because everyone has a different procedure, it took two years. Right. So it's not something that you would undertake lightly, I don't think. What we're hoping is by the hospitals having access to the tools that they'll be able to do this themselves and they'll also have access to the benchmark data so they can see how they're going versus Mm. the benchmark data in the future. Excellent. And is this something that you've worked with the Australian Commission for Safety and Quality with as well? Yes. So for each of the clinical conditions that we looked at, we used the national guidelines for each of the clinical conditions to look at the extent to which patients were being treated according to the clinical treatment processes. And that kind of leads into some of the results that we found for the patient measure of safety and that for the whole data set plus independent versus assisted completers, we found a relationship between patients who viewed the hospital to be safer, there was better adherence to these clinical processes, to the clinical indicators for each of these conditions. So essentially, the way that patients were being treated for uh, heart attack, stroke and hip fracture was related in a positive way to patient perceptions of safety in hospitals. And for each of the tools that we've developed, we obviously have a set of instructions for hospitals to be able to follow to administer those tools in a 
reliable way, whether it's administering to a patient or to undertake a medical record review or um, to assess uh, quality management at their organisation or department level. Um, and whether they are thinking of doing that for themselves as a general quality improvement monitoring exercise or whether it's something that they want to do to help them to meet standards for accreditation or to justify for example you know why they're doing things in a certain way or the time that it's taking in the emergency department for example to get patients through the system all of these resources can support with you know adherence to accreditation internal quality management or justification of specific processes and um, methods that they're using to treat their patients. Excellent. The results sound really interesting and obviously tie very much into the areas that that we're looking at in terms of value-based healthcare, in terms of what the patient values in particular, and also safety and quality obviously ties into what what the hospital values as as well in terms of that patient journey. Is there anything else that um, that you'd like to add as, as part of this discussion in terms of how it sort of ties into the general picture of safety and quality and value-based healthcare? I guess based on the you know the overall study and the results that we found one of the things that we've I guess learned along the way more than we ever thought that we would is that the hospitals individual hospitals are so complex the systems are full of processes people the need for quick reactions and adaptations to the way that things need to be done and to try and capture that is a very very difficult thing to do But the more that we work on this kind of thing to try and really understand what's going on, the organisation, the department level uh, in hospitals and how this relates to patient outcomes is, you know, the better we can help to inform how hospitals can improve in the future. So I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think as well, kind of discussions around how, as a researcher, you get access to the hospitals in a way that doesn't slow down the data collection process so that you can be collecting data in more real time, as opposed to kind of having lots of delays based on the bureaucracy that exists for healthcare research. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Robin's going to um, focus on where some of the study looked specifically at emergency departments in Australia. Robin, can you explain why the, the focus on the emergency departments? Yes, we thought your listeners might be interested in the emergency department because we found some of the stronger associations there. So across the whole larger study, the associations were fairly weak between quality management and patient outcomes. But in the emergency department, strangely, they were quite strong. So we found a lot of strong relationships between how quality is enacted and the care provided to patients, and also between how quality is enacted and the amount of time it takes to to do those types of activities. Okay, great. Thanks for listening to this Health Advocate podcast. To find out more about the AAHA, you can follow us on Twitter at OzHealthCare or visit our website at awha.asn.au.